for today. But let's read uh, this whole account, this whole section, if you would. Uh, paragraph, maybe be the right way to say it, uh, from verse 6 through verse 11. If you please stand with me if you can and able to honor and reverence for the reading of the word of the Lord. Psalm of Solomon, chapter number 3, and begin reading in verse 6. The Bible said, Who is the upside that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense with all powders of the merchant? Verse 7, the Bible said, Behold his bed, which is Solomon's Three score valiant men are about it of the valley of Israel. They all hold swords, being expert in war. Every man hath his sword upon his thigh because of fear in the night. King Solomon made himself a chariot of the wood of Lebanon. He made the pillars thereof of silver, the bottom thereof of gold, the covering of it of purple, the midst thereof being paved with love for the daughters of Jerusalem. Go forth, O ye daughters of Zion, and behold King Solomon with the crown, wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his espousals, and in the day of the gladness of his heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I should do love you this morning, Lord, I'm thankful for the privilege, God, the honor to be back in your house, Lord, I pray you meet with us this morning, meet every need, Lord, I pray you speak to hearts this morning, Lord, I don't know the needs, and uh, Lord, I don't know all the needs this morning, but I'm glad that you do. Lord, I pray to have you with them, Wade. Each and every one. Lord, if they be one of the midst this morning, lost of them without you. Lord, I pray you'd save them for some everlasting too late. Lord, if they be one discouraged, would you encourage your heart this morning? We'll be careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. You be seated. And thank you for standing with me this morning. Now, uh, I want to take just a few minutes to talk a little bit uh, about the Song of Solomon as a whole, as the book. Uh, we've talked about how there are some much discrepancy, much uh, controversy, I guess you could say, about how to interpret the Song of Solomon. We've talked about how there is uh, uh, a group that says that the shepherd as well as Solomon, they're one and the same, that they are the same person, but John, they manifest themselves in different ways. What, what I mean by that is this, that there's times that, the, that, that Solomon presents himself to the Shulamite as the king, and there's times that he presents himself as a shepherd. Now, uh, the biggest argument for that fact is this, that uh, Lydia, they say, why would Solomon present himself in such a bad light? If that's not the case, uh, why would he present himself in such a bad light? There's a lot of things we could say about that. But the, the other side of the coin early is this, that they're not the same. That, uh, the, the, if that be the case, then John apparently, the Shulamite, is married to this shepherd. She's in love with the shepherd. He is her beloved. She's his lily among thorns. She is his dove, the Bible says. And that you, there's no question about their love for one another. And then we find Solomon, who uh, we know at this point has hundreds of wives and concubines, but he falls uh, uh, for this Shulamite because of her beauty. And uh, he has no problem taking, uh, uh, attempting to take away the shepherd's uh, uh, spouse, the shepherd's wife, uh, uh, to be one of his own. Now, you said well, the, the, the argument is why would Solomon present himself in such a way? Well, because that's who he was. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got hundreds of wives already. Uh, and what's it bother him taking another man's wife to be? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? uh, now, I said all that to say this. 
up to this point, I pretty well told you, you could look at it either way you wanted to, and the application would fit. But here's what I want you to see. We started last week in verse 6. Uh, we looked, not last week and not the week before, but the week before, three weeks ago, we looked at uh, uh, the shepherd, Eos, kind of, I believe what we called it, and how that, remember he was came skipping upon the hills and leaping upon the mountains and he came to her and stood outside of her wall and looked in through the window and she could yeah. see him through the lattice and we saw his coming, how that pictured Christ uh, uh, wooing the sinner, coming and uh, wooing and winning the heart of the, of the sinner. But now we started last week in verse 6, We, I believe I'm not mistaken, I, uh, we called it Solomon is coming. Now, as we look at these two, Earl, the, you, you can't even, I, I want to call it a comparison, but you can't even call it a comparison because there are no similarities between them. You'd have to call it, Nancy, a contrast between Solomon and the shepherd. Both times we find the account of them coming to the Shulamite, and they do it they completely, there is no comparison at all between the two. We saw last week how we saw how that Solomon portrayed himself. How that uh, the Bible said, notice with me quickly in verse 6. I'm not preaching all again, but let's just notice a few things. That verse 6, the Bible said, Who is this that cometh, <coughs> excuse me, out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke? We said, It's, it's coming, brought confusion. But they didn't say this is Solomon coming. They said, Who is this? Yeah. All right. Bible said God's not the author of confusion. Isn't that right? right. There is no doubt that never in Scripture do you find her asking uh, who the shepherd is. Yet when Solomon comes, uh, she's confused. She knows not who he is. Uh, it brought confusion. Then we see that he was like, uh, she compared him to pillars of smoke. We talked about how that drew the attention, how it captivated uh, uh, if we walk outside this morning, there's pillars of smoke rising up. Uh, it would captivate you wondering what caused that. Knowing uh, there, where there's smoke, there must be fire. Then we saw his covering. The Bible said perfume of myrrh and frankincense with all powders of the merchant. Uh, he had covered himself uh, uh, to where he smelled like frankincense and myrrh. And we talked about that. Uh, the, the sacred significance and that. Uh, and, and the social significance and all those things with those fragrances. So we see uh, the way he portrayed himself. But now I want you to notice with me this morning uh, in this coming of Solomon. I want you to notice with me not only Solomon's portrayal, but notice with me Solomon's power. Now watch what your Bible said in verse 7. The Bible said, Behold his bed, which is Solomon's threescore valiant men are about it of the valley of Israel. They all hold swords that being expert in war, every man hath his sword upon his thigh because of fear in the night. Now, let's establish quickly. We realize the Shulamite's a picture of the bride. That's the church. The shepherd's a picture of the Savior. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Uh, so we realize that Solomon then uh, becomes a picture and a type of Satan. Uh, you could stretch it and say of Satan and of sin. Uh, and maybe even Chris stretch it to say of the world in some sense. Uh, uh, but uh, but he, he's not a good picture, we'll say that. And so the question is, uh, how is it the adversary presents himself? Uh, and so let's notice his power this morning. The Bible said, oh, let me tell you this quickly, I get to preach him. 
Andrew's coming up the road and uh, he puts his markers in his Bible where anybody preaches or teaches and uh, he, he said, Daddy, are you going to be preaching here this morning? I said, no. Uh, he said, oh, that's what we did in Good News Club on Wednesday. Uh, he said, where are you going to be at? And I, I told him and helped him find it and uh, was coming up the road and he put his marker there and he said, uh, what verse are you going to preach, Daddy? I, I said, I'm going to preach verse 7 and I'm going to preach verse 8. Just two verses. That's all I'm going to preach. Uh, he said, oh, so you won't be too long maybe like that. Uh, Hour and a half, and I said, that's probably about right. Uh, uh, so just about an hour and a half, that'd be it. It won't be long at all. All right. Uh, uh, but anyway, we see his power here in our text. Uh, uh, the Bible said there, verse 7, Behold, he is a bed, uh, uh, which is Solomon's. Would you notice with me? Uh, he is suspension. Now, uh, we're saying how he portrays himself, how he comes to her. Now, uh, the shepherd came skipping upon the hills and leaping upon the mountains, but not Solomon. Uh, uh, I told you there is no comparison, only contrasting uh, uh, between the two. Here he comes, uh, and the Bible said, Behold his bed. Now, uh, that word bed, I'm not telling you it can, it's rendered wrong. I'm just giving you the illustration. Uh, we would think of it maybe more so as a couch. It was a, a, a seat that was big enough though that uh, Solomon could sit on it or he could kindly uh, lay back and rest during the day. But uh, while he's a traveling, he didn't walk. He certainly uh, didn't leap and skip upon mountains and hills. Uh, uh, but John the Bible said, Behold his bed, uh, uh, which is Solomon's. Here comes these uh, three score valiant men of Israel, all with their swords. The Bible said that, uh, and Michelle, they're carrying this bed, this uh, couch, if you would. Uh, and on top of that lay Solomon, the king of Israel. Uh, I thought about that, I thought, what an exhibition of power. Uh, I mean, he doesn't even walk where he's a going. Uh, uh, now that's a different kind of power. We talked about the power of the shepherd uh, that he came leap, leaping upon the mountains and skipping upon the hills. Uh, uh, but boy, when you think about Solomon, doesn't that seem impressive? That uh, he's got so much power that people just carry him around. Uh, uh, look at the authority and the power uh, uh, that Solomon must have. Uh, and that's the first thing, John, they noticed about him. That uh, was his bed, which is Solomon's, uh, uh, that they were carrying him uh, around. I said like this, notice his suspension. Uh, uh, he's not walking, he's being carried. Uh, uh, notice this, <laughs> the world is enamored with power. And Solomon as a picture and a type of the adversary, uh, whom, by the way, the scripture, this is interesting, uh, Solomon is the king of Israel. Scripture refers to Satan as uh, uh, the prince of this world. What about that? Uh, and Solomon has been carried. Uh, uh, notice this, Solomon exhibits that. Uh, Influence uh, the power that he has. Now, how different this is from the entrance of the shepherd. Uh, I said already, remember, he came skipping and leaping uh, upon the mountains and hills. Uh, and what you'll find is this. The Shulamite, as the picture of the church, the picture of the bride of Christ, she was absolutely captivated by the shepherd. Right. Remembering back to his coming when he came to woo her, she's captivated that she remembers how he skipped upon the hills and leapt upon the mountains. No uh, hindrance would stand in his way. Uh, but now what we'll find here in chapter 3, all the daughters of Jerusalem, that speaks Kirk of all the young ladies in Jerusalem. 
They, they look at her. They, they begin wrong to wonder what in the world's wrong with her. Why would she be interested in a shepherd when the king would have her? Yeah. They're right. Yeah. Who'd want a shepherd when you could have the king? Yeah. They're right. Oh my. So we see that's what the world looks for. They're in that they're, they're absolutely captivated by the fact that he's carried by these men, his power, his authority, he seems supreme. And, uh, now watch this goes really quickly. Is that not how the world looks today? Uh, do they not look at us and wonder why? Uh, can I be honest among the majority of us? You may be honest this morning that uh, you go to work tomorrow, some of you may be blessed to work. Uh, oh, with good Christian people that uh, are like-minded, but I dare yeah. say that's many have yet. Uh, you know as good as I do, you go to work tomorrow and they find out you went to Sunday school, uh, and then went to preaching, and then went back to church on Sunday night. Uh, well, they don't understand why you do that. Who's want a shepherd uh, with all that the world has to offer? Uh, look what else you could be doing this morning. Uh, uh, but thank God she's captivated by the shepherd. Uh, uh, but we see he appeals, Solomon appeals to the daughters of Jerusalem. Uh, he appeals to the world. Uh, uh, the same as Satan this morning. We see uh, uh, not only his suspension, but notice with me his strength. Two things are mentioned here in our case that point us toward the strength of Solomon. Notice in verse 7, the Bible said, Behold his bed, which is Solomon's three score valiant men are about it of the valley of Israel. Round this bed of Solomon's were 60 of the most mighty valiant men of Israel, bodyguards, if you would. Three score, scores 20, three score 60. 60 men standing around his bed, carrying. Most valiant men of Israel. I mean, it'd be, Tracy, it'd be like uh, uh, the SEAL Team 6 of that day. I mean, the, the most valiant, the best warriors. Uh, they're the ones carrying him. Uh, uh, they're the ones with him. The Bible said that uh, every one of them had his sword uh, on his side for fear of the night. Uh, we'll talk about that right here in just a minute. Uh, uh, but they're his protection. They're his power. Uh, nobody's going to get to Solomon. Uh, they have him surrounded. Uh, and it speaks of his warriors. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty intimidating sight. Right? Yeah. You just imagine trying to get to Solomon, 60 of the most valiant men, uh, the most mighty warriors of that day carrying him uh, and surrounding his bed everywhere he goes. They go, uh, uh, what a picture, what a what an exhibition of his authority and his power uh, that he shows here in these warriors. Uh, uh, I said it like this, uh, no doubt this was an intimidating sight to behold. Now once again we must contrast Solomon to the shepherd. The shepherd came to the Shulamite in such a humble and personal manner. There's no comparison between the two. There, you must make a contrast because uh, there is no comparison. The shepherd came along. Right? The shepherd humbled himself and stood with outside of her wall. Uh, here Solomon comes uh, with such an exhibit, with such an exhibit of force uh, and of power. Uh, he's letting everybody know he can take what he wants. Uh, they're right. There's, there's no comparison between the two. They're right. Shepherd humbles himself and comes to her. Solomon comes with these 60 men. Notice this. While she loved the shepherd, it's apparent the doors of Jerusalem don't understand her affection. Now, I want to say something about that. 
that's interesting, the daughters of Jerusalem. Now, had Christ, this, uh, I know we're in the Psalm of Psalm, but let's make application. Had Christ come, God, yeah, and we're right here at Christmas, we'll make a little bit about Christmas anyway. Had Christ come uh, down from heaven uh, in the Revelation 19 sense, uh, instead of in Luke chapter 2, uh, being born as a babe wrapped in swan the clothes and laid in the manger. And he just skipped all that turkey coming. Revelation 19 uh, uh, come with a, with a sharp two edged sword soon out of his mouth. Uh, wherewith he should judge and smite the nations uh, and the host of heaven coming with him. Uh, well, all of Israel would have stood up and said, That's him. That's the Messiah. That's what they were looking for. Yeah, yeah. They want somebody to come get them out of Roman oppression. Uh, yeah, right. They want somebody to put him in that had all this oppression, all this bondage, and all this trouble. That, that's why time and time again, even the disciples ask him time and time again, will you set up your kingdom now? Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't believe that he would. Uh, oh my, can I say this? That's why so many believe a lie. Shepherd come. He come along. Right? Humbled himself. Leaping upon the hills. Skipping upon the mountains. He comes, stands outside the door. What a comparison. Had Christ come in such a manner how all of Israel would have believed. Yet he didn't appear that way. He humbled himself. Came as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Laid in a manger. He didn't appear as a king to dwell in a palace. Uh, in fact, the Bible said he had no place to lay his head while he's on this earth. All right, and his triumphant appearance when he came into Jerusalem uh, on Palm Sunday. Remember what he wrote on? He wasn't carried by the most valiant men of Israel. Uh, the Bible said he came riding in on the lowly colt of an ass. Isn't that right? Uh, I mean, not even a majestic beast. Uh, it was a beast of birth. Oh, but can I say this? It was no happenstance uh, that it was the colt of an ass. You see, a colt, an ass. Uh, a donkey was an unclean beast. Uh, uh, oh, my, I'm about to come unglued. Uh, it's taught all through Scripture uh, uh, that in order for, for Israel uh, to, touch, uh, to touch a donkey, to of this world. 
world, there is no doubt, presents himself that way. They're right. Well, yeah. mm -hmm. oh, no wonder the world's so enamored with all this stuff, all this filth. That's how the adversary presents it. Now, we see the warriors. But then go through, if you would, the weapons. The Bible said in verse number 8, they all hold swords. Being expert in war, every man hath his sword upon his side because of fear in the night. Now, that's interesting to me. Say a few things. These 60 men, they all, Chris, hold swords in their hands. I their, their job is to protect Solomon. There's no doubt, Nancy, at any at any point, any threat to Solomon's life, they would gladly give their life to protect him. All right. I mean, what power? They tell me, I don't know, uh, you probably know about as much about it as I do, but they tell me, uh, I have talked to people before that was uh, in the Secret Service, they tell me that it is no joke. They would gladly give their life to protect the president you're not glad to do that that's what these men are, they're bodyguards they're his secret service if you would at a moment's notice gladly give their life for him, they spend their days carrying him while they're guarding, they carry him so that he can rest and so he can have comfort do you see that? they want power that their weapons, you say, which one they have these weapons? The Bible says, for fear in the night. They're, they're, they're worried about what may come in the night, what threats may be out there, what may, what may cause hurt to Solomon. They're his protectors. Now, Mike Doug, you just met. I'm going to let you out earlier this morning, Lord, and let me watch this. It's evident the crowd was impressed with Solomon's power. And protection. The purpose of these men was to carry Solomon's bed and protect him from those who would seek to do him harm. In other words, this exhibit of power was for his own benefit. For his own comfort. For his own protection. Is that right? Here's what I say. What a difference between Solomon and the shepherd. I'll show you a few things real quick, and I'm done. Great exhibition of power in verse 7 and 8. There is no doubt Solomon has power and authority. They're right? Yeah. Now listen, he, he pictures the adversary. Don't kid yourself this morning and try to think that you're some match for the adversary for Satan. Right. There is no doubt he has power and authority. Is that right? Yeah. Absolutely. But there is no comparison between the adversary and the adversary. There is no, it's pitching her defense, no comparison between Solomon and the shepherd. Yeah. Let me give you a few points. Jesus said, is it John 10? I believe that's right. I won't say John 10, 10. Let me look quickly so I don't tell you wrong. I believe it's John 10, 10. John 10, 11, I'm sorry. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Now listen to this. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now wait a minute. Solomon's got 60 men, most valued of Israel. 
be an expert in war. And all, they'd gladly give their life for him. But the shepherd is not asking for somebody willing to give for him. He's willing to give his life for the sheep. But what it is to about the shepherd? I'm about to come and look. I, I, this is one of those, I'll be honest with you, this is the part I've been looking forward to. Uh, John, I, I, I'm planning on preaching the whole chapter, the rest of the chapter. I got right here, and I, 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 I don't mean this funny. I just, I just like it when it happens this way. I read two or three commentaries, not one of them said anything about this. I'm sure somebody wrote something about it somewhere, but I ain't read it yet. The Lord just got to give me verses. I got to think about it. Boy, I, I'm excited, but I want to compare and contrast the two. Solomon has 60 men willing to. How to give that life for him. Uh, you say, preacher, why is the Shilamite? Why she love the shepherd? Uh, he's not worried about what she'll do for him. Uh, it's about what he'd do for her. Uh, you see, she realizes she sees something in him uh, that she doesn't see in Solomon. Uh, Solomon may have this protection and this power and this authority, uh, but she realizes she's heard the shepherd. Uh, uh, no doubt talk about the sheep. Uh, and see, I believe she realizes her. Uh, his ambitions, his wants to care for the sheep. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? right? In the moment that the lion comes or the bear comes, we see that in the life of David, the good shepherd would give his life for the sheep. Yeah. Yeah. So what about future things? He can do it again. Right. He perpetually 
You don't see those lines for the Right. I went one time, one of the greatest messages I ever heard. I can't remember who preached it, but I'm pretty sure it's on Sermon Audio. If you can find it, no one, Wayne, you aren't good anyway. Nobody else does. I can't remember who preached it off the top of my head, but I heard it in person. Man took it, takes out this verse. He preached on at a at a at a preacher's conference. Preached to pastors as the under shepherd. They preached on how that. Well, the, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And one of the greatest messages for preachers I've ever heard in my life. But that's what she saw in the shepherd. She saw that he gave up his dreams and ambitions for the sheep. She saw that he gave up. He would give his life literally for the sheep. That he had no plans of doing anything different. You know, let's talk about spiritually. What's Christ do for us? Well, he died for us at Calvary. Gave his life for the sheep. The Bible said he ever liveth to make intercession for you and I. You know what that means? That means that's his purpose for living. You know why he got up out of the grave? Because he had to make intercession for you and I. You know why he sits right here in the Father tonight? He had to make intercession for you and I. You know how I know he'll be the life of Marcus? He's got to make intercession. So he ever liveth to make intercession. Say, what do you want to say? He giveth. Perpetual present tense. He giveth. Oh, but listen, Calvary, what I, I realize he said it is finished. That was the penalty of sin. But John, listen, his mission was not over. He was not done. He's not on vacation. He's giving his life for the sheep right now. He ever liveth to make intercession for you and I. Isn't that right? Yeah. right. My, my. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Let's think about what else Solomon had. He had goals that would die for him. I will say this. Psalm 23, verse 4, verse 4, listen to this. Bible said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Listen to verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Take up things quickly. Verse 133, David's talking about the Lord. Listen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Verse 3. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4, David goes through the valley of the shadow of death. Listen to what happens. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Watch this. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they kept on me. So, preacher, why did David go through this trouble? I'll tell you why. He quit talking about the Lord and started talking to the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Verse 1 and 3. He, he, he. Verse 4. Thou art with me. How about that? He said, Preacher, what, what are you saying? Solomon had 60 men carried him. They protected him. Died for him. These 60 men, they all had souls. It was their job to protect them. Is that right? David tells us David knew more about shepherd than no doubt anybody else because that's what he was. God took him from the field, put him in the palace. What's this? David said in verse 4, 
thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's interesting. Solomon had 60 men whose job was to comfort him. Bible said they held their swords in their hand and had swords on their thighs for fear in the night. They brought comfort to Solomon that they would protect him. But David said, The Lord is my shepherd. Shall I want? Watch this. Verse 4. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know what the job of the shepherd is? That rod and staff, two different things. One's used to correct the sheep, the other's used to protect the sheep. The job of the shepherd is this. David said, now David wrote this, that we know from 1 Samuel, David said he was tending his father's sheep and a bear came. The Bible said the Lord delivered the bear into my hands. And the Bible said the later the lion came. David said the Lord delivered the lion into my hands. You know what? The picture is this, Nancy. The bear came, the lion came, and David protected the sheep. Is that right? Yeah. Not the sheep protected David. Is that right? David protected the sheep. Don't you know this? Don't you know after that lion came and that bear came? I don't know a whole lot about sheep, but I, I do know a little bit about cows. I remember we had some coyotes. Earl get out and some wild dogs and get after our cows several years ago. And man, they, they'd hit it one night and for two or three days in cast. You tell they just won't believe. You tell they just shook, they scared. Don't you know? Now listen Don't you know them sheep saw David uh, fight off that lion, fight off that bear, protect them. Don't you know that brought great comfort to see David sitting over with that staff in his hand, that rod in his hand. Don't you know that brought them comfort to know uh, uh, that they had a protector. There was one uh, uh, that was comforting them. There was one that gave his life for them. It brought them comfort. Oh my, no wonder she was so infatuated with the shepherd. Solomon needed somebody to comfort him. But she realized in the shepherd she could find the comforter. He said, Preacher, I don't know if the Lord is a comforter. Well, when he went away, is it John 14? Is that right? When he's getting ready to tell the disciples he's going to go away, he tells them that he, and when he leaves, he'll send them a comforter. Yeah. So they won't be comfortless. Yeah. Evidently, he must have been comforted. Is that right? Now that ministry is done by the Holy Ghost. Now, so we see everything. So there is, can I say it like this? No comparison. How can you compare the two? Solomon has 60 men that die for him. The shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Solomon has 60 men armed to bring him comfort. But the shepherd brings comfort to the sheep with his rod and his staff. What David, I'm not telling you anything new. It's what David said. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Now what about this? Solomon has 60 men that pick him up on his bed and physically carry him. Is that right? right. right. What's this? Read you one more, one more passage of scripture. Watch this. Luke chapter 15. Verse number four through six, and what you mind yourself. Parable of the lost sheep. Jesus said, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, 
Just not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it. When he had found it, listen to this. He, talking about the shepherd, layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Now I'll say this. Shepherd's not carrying my His coming does not look that way. Preacher, why did would she be so? Why would she be so in love with the shepherd? He doesn't have all these things. What's this? Mm. He's not carried time by sixty men while he lays on the bed and takes a nap. Now, here's what she knows about the shepherd: that any time one of his sheep were in trouble, he'd walk as far. About to come sleep. He'd walk as far as was needed. No matter how far the journey might be, he'd walk that journey. Isn't that right? And the Bible said that when he findeth that sheep, come here, Aaron. When he findeth that sheep, that he'd pick it up. Is that right? And lay it on his shoulder. Is that right? Oh, I'm going to come step on the loose. And he'd carry it all the way back home. No matter how far that might be. Oh, my, he might not have anybody to carry him. Uh, but I tell you what makes me so in love with the shepherd. Uh, he sure had been some times uh, that God helped him me carry him. Uh, I done found myself lost and wayward. Uh, but I sure am glad he'd walk to where I was. Uh, he'd pick me up and put me on his shoulders. Uh, I'm about to come slap on and carry me back home. Uh, I'm rejoicing in that which was lost. Uh, it's now been found. Uh, Oh, my, he may not have somebody to carry him. Uh, but thank God I'm glad the shepherd's good. Uh, he carried the sheep and lost. Uh, he may not have somebody to die for him. Uh, but I'm glad he gives his life for the sheep. Uh, oh, I'm about to come up good. Uh, he might not have somebody to comfort him. Uh, but I'm glad, thank God, he comforts the sheep. Uh, who can compare Solomon to the shepherd? Yeah. Right. Who could possibly compare the adversary to the advocate, how can the two be compared? They must be contrasted. Listen to this, like we have the world and Satan are only interested this morning how they can be benefited. But the shepherd does everything he does for the sheep. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. He ever lived to make intercession for you and I. I will say it like this and I'll quit. I will say quickly with the shoe of mine. Oh my, you have the world. All that it has to offer, let God just take the shepherd. Amen. Is that right? Yeah. That's what she, when we get to chapter 5, that's what she's going to tell the daughters of Jerusalem. You have Solomon, you have the kingdom, you have everything. This is my beloved, this is my friend. Yeah. Is that right? I let God just take the shepherd. Oh my, you say, preacher, these days it seems like it. Nobody's interested in him. I can't help that. Uh, you say, preacher, why, the world, look at what all the world has to offer. Can I say this? Listen to me, listen to me well. All the world's interested in him. All Satan's interested in him. What you've got to offer them. Yeah. But the shepherd does everything for the sheep. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Let's stand our feet. Get the musicians, they will come get some of the